And good morning. Welcome to Lavender Hill here on KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD 89.3 on the FM or online at KZUM.org. Perhaps you're using one of those handy-dandy, smarter-than-a-calculator devices and listening to the show using your favorite mobile listening app like TuneIn or Next Radio. Or you could be listening up to two weeks after original broadcast date thanks to the KZUM archives made possible by listeners like you. You can go to kzum.org slash archives, check it out, and, uh, you know, catch up on some of your other favorite shows here on your community radio station. All righty. Well, we are winding up Gloria Gaynor's I Am What I Am. This cut is off of the best of Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed that. It kind of sets the theme for today's music choices, at least. doesn't really have much to do with the content of today's show otherwise. But hey, it's all good music that we've got going on here. Now, before I dive into anything, I wanted to let you know, yes, TJ King from the Nebraska AIDS Project was supposed to join me this morning to talk about what NAP does for the community. But due to circumstances, we've had to reschedule. We're going to try that for next week, one way or another. It'll either be in person with him in the studio, or we'll do a Zoom or phone interview, something like that. We'll get it figured out. And, of course, now for some of the news. And we've all been, uh, you know, sitting on pins and needles since uh, the House of Representatives went into session early this week to find out who the new Speaker of the House is going to be. And finally, after, what was it, 15 votes, you know, 15 attempts to get it figured out, they settled on who it was that uh, was the, uh, the forerunner in the first vote, in the second, in the third, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is Republican Representative Kevin McCarthy, who unfortunately is also a ferocious opponent of LGBTQ plus rights, according to the headline on Maggie Baska's article over on thepinknews.com that was published yesterday, Saturday the 7th of January, 2023. Ah, I actually managed to get the year right, didn't I? All right. So uh, the California representative who won the election early Saturday morning, and I do mean early in the morning, after days of voting and a string of concessions between conservative lawmakers on who to elect, eh, he's going to get that. He's taken that seat. He's secured enough votes to be the speaker in the 15th, I was right, round of voting despite Republicans now having a majority in the House. Uh, he now replaces Nancy Pelosi, who has long been an ally of the LGBTQ plus community in politics as Speaker of the House. The Speaker of the House sets the chamber's agenda and oversees legislative business. The role is second in line to the presidency after the U.S. vice president. We all know how that might work. How we've, you know, you've seen Designated Survivor, haven't you? Yeah, fun show with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. All righty. So, uh, to quote him, joking and making a nod to the many rounds of votes to secure his victory, he said, that was easy, huh? I never thought we'd get up here. Uh, My father always told me it's not how you start, it's how you finish, he said, adding, 
Now the hard work begins. And yes, the hard work is going to begin. And despite that slim majority in the House, I think the Republicans are going to have a long, drawn-out battle. Uh, President Joe Biden congratulated McCarthy on his win and said he looked forward to working with the Republican Party. To quote Biden, he said, The American people expect their leaders to govern in a way that puts their needs above all else. And that is what we need to do now. I think that was a little bit of a... uh, jab at the proceedings there he went on to say as i said after the midterms i am prepared to work with republicans when i can and voters made clear that they expect republicans to be prepared to work with me as well now that the leadership of the house of representatives has been decided it is time for that process to begin president biden said mccarthy credited former president donald trump Uh, with making late calls to help get those final votes. Uh, He said Trump was, quote, with him from the beginning. Not 100% sure on that one. Kevin McCarthy was first elected to Congress in 06 and has a long track record of opposing pro-LGBTQ plus measures. He voted against the recently passed Respect for Marriage Act, Uh, He also banded together with other Republicans in 2011 to push a lawsuit to force the Obama administration to defend the Defense of Marriage Act. The measure, which you may recall, uh, barred federal recognition of same-sex marriage and banned same-sex couples from receiving federal spousal benefits. McCarthy also opposed the Equality Act. And a whole host of other things. Yeah, so... Uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. A comprehensive LGBTQ plus non-discrimination bill, that is the Equality Act. But the legislation quickly sailed through the Democratic-led House in February 2021 by a 224 to 206 vote. The measure has since stalled in the Senate. Still waiting on that to happen, right? Uh, McCarthy didn't support the LGBTQ Business Equal Credit Enforcement and Investment Act or the LGBTQI Plus Data Inclusive Act, according to the Human Rights Campaign. So he's got kind of a lousy record there for you. Uh, That is pretty much the entirety of the article from Pink News. And as of this click, click, I have shared that to the Facebook page if you want to follow up with that and check out some of the embedded links for more information on the content there. All righty. Well, moving right along a little bit here, uh, you know, the Obama administration was a good administration. The Trump administration, not so much. The Biden administration is mm, floundering a little bit, but that unfortunately is to be expected when you had that contested battle in 2020. But a member of the Biden administration, Pete Buttigieg, who is the Secretary of uh, Travel, uh, was on a Fox program recently. Notice I didn't say it was a news program. uh, Where he was confronted with an odd question. And I say an odd question and you'll find out why I mean that. Uh, Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg was uh, on a Fox program recently and he slammed back at the host who brought up the latest scandal being pushed on right-wing media only eight months after the fact. Uh, 
Uh, late in April last year, Buttigieg uh, led the White House delegation to the Invictus Games in the Netherlands. The Invictus Games are an international sporting event that supports wounded service members and veterans. Buttigieg, his husband, and the rest of the delegation traveled in a military aircraft to the Games. Uh, the headline that was blasted early this past week by Fox uh, read, Pete Buttigieg brought husband Chaston on military aircraft to attend sporting event in Netherlands. So, not the first uh, official to do that. And of course, many other right-wingers were outraged to hear about it and focused heavily on the fact that Buttigieg traveled with his husband. Uh, the far-right news site Breitbart demanded to know whether Buttigieg would reimburse the government for his uh, husband's travel costs. And that was in a story that was published this past Wednesday. Uh, Buttigieg took Chaston on a military plane to attend a sporting event in Europe. With Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, Tom Price resigned for much less, uh, said uh, GOP strategist Matt Whitlock. Mm, well, I don't think Tom Price was in the same kind of position. Uh, Brett Bayer was the uh, Fox host that asked Buttigieg the question. And Buttigieg answered back, Of course not. I led a presidential delegation to support American wounded warriors and injured service members. It was one of the great honors of my time in this job, and the diplomatic protocol on a presidential delegation is that the principal, which he was, is often accompanied by their spouse, in this case, his husband. Uh, he explained that he met wounded service members from Ukraine who went right back to fighting in their country afterward and also met with Dutch officials. Then he pointed out that during the Trump administration, then-Secretary of the Army Mark Esper went to the Invictus Games with his wife, and Donald Trump went with Melania uh, d during another Invictus Games during their term. And, of course, during the Obama administration, Michelle went with Barack. The question on my mind is... If no one's raising questions about why Secretary Esper and his wife led that delegation, as well they should have, meaning they should have been the uh, leads for the delegation, why is it any different when it's me and my husband? All Bear could really say to that was understood, and he tried to move on to another topic, but Buttigieg wasn't quite done. He said, it's standard practice for military aircraft to be provided for White House organized cabinet level presidential delegations. Actually, that was from a statement from the White House, but that's pretty much what uh, Pete was thinking there, I believe. Anywho, let's go ahead, dive into it. Just a smidgen of music here. And when we come back, we'll have some more news of interest to the LGBTQIA 2S SOGI community. Alrighty there, little Melissa Etheridge to uh, keep us on the move there. Uh, that was Yes I Am, title track off of one of her early album releases. And, you know, it's one of my favorite albums of hers, obviously, since I play so much of it. Alrighty, well, let's see here. We're going to move from the Speaker of the House and Pete Buttigieg to Oklahoma. Now, uh, neighbors two doors down. 
to the south of us here and, you know, sitting there on the state line with the not-so-great state of Texas. And they kind of took a page from Texas as well as Florida Man. Uh, the headline from The Hill, uh, no, not the most reliable source of information. It tends to be a little bit... Uh, right wing from time to time but uh brooke midgen writing for them on uh the fifth so that would have been do the math here thursday uh an oklahoma senate bill filed late wednesday would prevent a person under the age of 26 from accessing gender affirming health care the latest sign the conservatives are seeking to block the procedure for not only children but people well into adulthood the bill filed ahead of the legislature's February start would bar health care providers in Oklahoma from administering or recommending gender-affirming medical care, including puberty blockers, hormones, and surgeries for patients under 26 years of age and would be punishable by an unclassified felony conviction at this point in time that will be decided if it moves forward and the possible revocation of their medical license for quote unprofessional conduct the measure would also prohibit public funds from being used to either quote directly or indirectly provide gender affirming health care to an individual younger than 26 and bar the state medicaid program from covering procedures related to a person's gender transition that seems to indicate regardless of age the legislation being introduced by oklahoma gop state senator david bullard uh, who last year authored a new state law that prohibits transgender youth from using school restrooms or locker rooms consistent with their gender identity. The ACLU has filed a lawsuit on behalf of three transgender students against that particular law. The bill that was filed on Wednesday is titled the Millstone Act of 2023, a reference to a Bible passage that a person would be better off uh, tying a large boulder around their neck to, quote, be drowned in the depths of the sea, end quote, than harm a child. Well, federal law says that when you turn 18, you are considered an adult. And that is not based on biblical Sharia law. Yes, I purposely combined those two there. So why are we even making a reference to a Bible passage when we're trying to pass a new bill in a state legislature? So, yeah, I'll let you read and decide for yourself there. Uh, but another Oklahoma bill was filed this past December, which aims to bar physicians from providing gender transition procedures to patients under 21 years of age, which is punishable by a $100,000 fine and up to a decade in prison. Now, many medical professionals and associations have agreed that gender-affirming care is life-affirming care. It's life-saving care. But again, I'll let you read more on that for yourself. I'll be uh, sharing that link here shortly on the Facebook page. Uh, don't quite have it set to trigger there for you, but it will get there momentarily yeah, during our next break, perhaps. Annie Boo Boo. Yes, I do like to say that as well. Moving right along from Oklahoma, but sticking with some trans news, uh, we're going to go to the 19 news 
website. That's 19news.org. And this is a little bit more related information to what I was just reading to you there from The Hill. So let's see here. Uh, Here we go. So going a little bit on here. uh, Most states uh, moving early on anti-trans bills focused on banning gender-affirming care for trans youth, while others have proposed banning care for adults, according to data from the Equality Federation, a coalition of state LGBTQ plus organizations, and a review of state bills by the 19th. Uh, again, that's uh, 19th19thnews.org. And this particular headline or article is talking about healthcare for transgender adults becomes new target in 2023 legislative session. So far, efforts to restrict health care for transgender adults, either directly or through insurance exclusions, stand out as the new ground being broken ahead of 2023's legislative sessions. Education will be another crucial policy arena to watch after so-called don't-say-gay laws and other bills impacting LGBTQ plus students went into effect across the country last year. Identifying which states are prioritizing anti-LGBTQ plus legislation, regardless of whether those bills ultimately fail, is important because a pattern has emerged in the past few years. Those same states have also made news and exploratory efforts to implement anti-trans policies outside of their legislatures. Texas and Florida are key examples. Uh, some other examples, South Carolina, uh, yeah, South Carolina, Republicans there have introduced a bill to ban gender affirming care for anyone 21 years old or younger. Uh, Texas, to visit them again, I suppose, lawmakers in Texas. Um, where uh, Republicans hold a trifecta of power in the governorship and in both legislative houses, filed 10 anti-trans bills in the last two months. Arizona uh, pre-filed a bill which directs school district employees to address all students under 18 years old using pronouns that match their sex assigned at birth, effectively ordering the misgendering of transgender or non-binary children unless a parent provides written permission. And we just talked about Oklahoma there. Uh, Missouri and a pre-filed or a set of pre-filed bills uh, that seek to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth. Missouri lawmakers aim to penalize any adult who coerces a minor into undergoing gender-affirming care. The bill would classify this as child abuse or neglect, a felony in Missouri. Uh, Tennessee's bill to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth makes a point to tie the provision of such care to Planned Parenthood clinics, which are key resources of hormone therapy and other treatments for many transgender adults. Republicans control both the state legislature's chambers and the state's governorship there. In Utah, lawmakers... uh, who also have a Republican trifecta, have pre-filed bills to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth. And their governor, Spencer Cox, last year vetoed a bill that aimed to bar transgender students, especially trans girls, from competing in school sports that align with their gender identity. Uh, So, hmm... Virginia, a bill has been pre-filed to ban gender-affirming care for trans youth ahead of the state's legislative session. The state is one of few on this list with divided party control of its state legislature. Uh, 
Kentucky, which began its new legislative session this week, has one school bathroom bill in committee that would allow families to sue if their child encounters a trans student while using the restroom. And that's where we're at right now with those various states. So look out for that, right? Anywho, it is time to take our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we'll have a little bit more music. We're going to hear from a trans artist when we come back, uh, Kanjita Verst. So stay tuned for that here on Lavender Hill. All righty then. Woo, barely got that in there in time. It's visiting with uh, one of our uh, volunteers of the year for 2022, Dylan, our assistant uh, music director, uh, about some more great music that we've got coming your way. Anywho, you can hear some of that music that he's got lined up for you by tuning into the women's show this afternoon, starting at noon. Uh, Deb's going to have an interview guest, and then Dylan will be taking over with her, share some of his favorite women musicians with you. All right, I'm going to keep on going here with the news for you. Uh, so, well, that was Conchita Verse that we heard. I suppose I should probably tell you that. And that uh, is her single, That's What I Am. You know, the I Am is kind of a theme for you today here on the show. And what better theme, really, when we're talking about some trans issues for you? Uh, according to an article by Greg Owen from Wednesday, January 4th, 2023, um over on lgbtqnation.com, a federal court has ruled against trans students and their right to use the correct bathroom to their gender identity. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the 11th Circuit in Florida, go figure, has uh, reversed a lower court ruling that granted access to boys' restrooms for a trans student in the state. The 7-4 decision said the students' civil rights were not violated under either the Equal Protection Clause or Title IX of the Education Amendments of 1972. The vote was split for and against between Republican and Democratic appointees. Not really all that surprised there. The 11th Circuit's decision is a break with the 4th and 7th Circuit courts, which found in favor of trans students in similar cases presenting the same issues. Well, unfortunately, we may be seeing this go before the Supremes. Uh, in 2017, Drew Adams, a trans student at Nice High School in St. John's County, Florida, sued the state for access to bathrooms that confirm, conform pardon me, to his gender identity. The state claimed Adams had to use a restroom that aligns with his biological sex. Okay. No, I don't think so. Uh, the story made headlines and was also discussed here on Lavender Hill as one of the first test cases for transgender rights in Florida and sparked a far-right backlash exploited by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Mr. Florida Man himself, in his push for the Parental Rights and Education Act, also popularly known as, or infamously known as, the Don't Say Gay Law. Uh, at trial in December 2017, the court heard testimony that Adams identified as male from a young age and used the boys' restrooms in St. John's schools without incident. When he started high school, Adams continued the practice without issue from fellow male classmates. Girls at the school, however, complained to school administrators. While the school district had established rules that honored trans students' desired names and pronouns, they refused to let trans students use single-sex facilities, insisting students would be treated according to the sex on their birth certificates. Uh, 
By the time Adams was at trial, his transition was well underway with gender-affirming hormone therapy, a legal name change, and a new birth certificate identifying him as male. The school district, however, maintained that Adams' sex was fixed at the time of enrollment. In 2018, U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Corrigan, a George W. Bush appointee, found in favor of Adams, saying the school district's policy violated both his equal protection and Title IX rights. Uh, in a, uh, let's see here, in two Three-judge 11th Circuit Court panels uh, were in agreement with that before the full court reversed those decisions on December 30th. Uh, In her opinion for the majority, Circuit Judge Barbara Lagoa, a Trump appointee, surprise, (coughs) pardon me, (coughs) avoided identifying Adams by he-him pronouns, instead using only his surname repeatedly, She also wrote a separate concurring opinion detailing why a ruling in Adams' favor would dismantle girls' girls school sports, which was not even relevant to the appeal. All righty, you can read more about that by going to lgbtqnation.com. Do encourage you to follow the few embedded links there so you can get some more background and information on what we've been talking about there. All righty, well, updating our postings to the Facebook page for Lavender Hill live during the show, trying to get a little bit better about that. You know, I suppose you could say that's another New Year's resolution there for me. Uh, We are going to continue on with some trans issues and, well... This one is a little bit better, I think. It's all up to interpretation, of course. All right, so on Outsports.com, an article from January 5th, 2023 by... Carly Webb, trans swimmer Isaac Hennig, switches from the women's to the men's swimming team at Yale University. Isaac Hennig, Hennig, pardon me, was a year ago swimming toward a goal, Ivy League championships for his team at Yale, and perhaps an individual title for himself. In a new op-ed in the New York Times, Hennig told the next chapters of a story that began in the Times almost two years ago. Hennig, a transgender man and standout swimmer on the women's swimming team at Yale, talked about his decision to hold off on starting hormone replacement therapy for a last, hopefully, uh, championship ride with the team he was close to. As he worked, practiced, and competed, he was also a, quote, fish out of water. Imagine being the only man on a women's swim team. Despite a nearly unbeaten season in the freestyle sprints, an Ivy League title in the 50-yard freestyle, and finishing the year with All-American honors, Hennig noted the inner pain and cost that came with the joy. To quote from Hennig in that piece with the Times, The Yale women swimmers are some of my best friends, but being on the team with them made explicit all the ways I am not a woman, he wrote. My mental health began to worsen again, and after a few months, I confessed to a friend, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I came to understand that I didn't belong on the women's team. I craved a space where I did belong. The article also delved deeper into his backstory. The California native was an Olympic trials qualifier in high school and grappling with gender identity even as he was gaining notice for his ability in the pool. At Yale, he made his impact early to become the team's highest scorer of his sophomore year, even while sitting with the feeling of not being in the right place. Uh, 
I'll let you read the rest of the article yourself over there on Outsports.com. I'm going to be sharing that link on the Lavender Hill Facebook page here in just a few moments. But we're going to get back to some music here for you. Uh, I've got, uh, it's kind of a twin piece, if you will, spoken word and then song by Summer Osborne off of her uh, As I Am album. This is the title tracks. Summer Osborne, As I Am title track off of that album, which was actually my introduction to Summer's music and was so happy to have discovered her. All righty. Well, before we uh, wrap things up here, since we've only got about 10 minutes left in the show, I wanted to address Drag Queen Story Hour one more time. Well, at least address it for today. In an article from Thursday, January 5th, 2023, John Russell writing for LGBTQNation.com, the town of Barlettsville, Oklahoma, is trying to ban adult entertainment to quash drag performances. Eh, not really sure they know what they're doing there, do you? Uh, the Barlettsville, Oklahoma City Council voted early in the week to draft a new ordinance banning adult entertainment in public parks following outcry over a September Pride event that featured drag performers. The 4-1 to one vote Tuesday followed months of debate over the event sponsored by Oklahoma for Equality Barlettsville in Unity Square Park. In October, resident Shannon Keene presented the council with an online petition she'd organized requesting that they take action to determine whether the Pride event, quote, violated any state laws, city ordinances, or city contracts for use of public areas, and if so, to take appropriate action. If no laws or ordinances were broken and no current contracts violated, then, she said, I ask you to study this issue and consider a new city ordinance to prohibit adult-oriented activity from happening in our public areas again. Uh, the uh, petition, which reportedly received over 2,000 unverified signatures, is quoted there. Uh, city staffers initially worked to negotiate an agreement between King and OKEQ, or Oklahoma Equality, but negotiations broke down after King withdrew, saying she did not believe she had the authority to agree to any terms. OKEQ's board later voted to withdraw all concessions they had offered relating to the drag performances, saying in a statement that, quote, it would be discriminatory to insist that only our group move our performances inside while others are free to use their public space as they deem necessary. Uh, so, at Tuesday's meeting, the City Council voted to authorize City Attorney Jess Kane to obtain outside counsel with expertise in constitutional law to assist in drafting potential municipal ordinances that may be both content-neutral or which apply to everyone rather than a specific individual or group and which seek to define and regulate obscenity in Barlettsville, according to a release from the city of Barlettsville. Uh, yeah, you can read up on that if you want to and, you know, catch up on what's been going on for a while there in Barlettsville by going to LGBTQNation.com. You can find the link for that article on our Facebook page for Lavender Hill. All righty. Well, we are quickly running out of time here. Uh, One Million Moms is up in arms and, you know, there's far from a million of them involved over TurboTax and a recent commercial which has a blink and you miss it, same-sex kiss. 
in a little tiny wedding scene for their commercial advertising their services for the 2023 tax season. There'll be a link to that on our Facebook page as well. But I wanted to uh, give at least QWERTY.com's brief list here quickly, if I can, of 16 LGBTQ plus movies that they're looking forward to in 2023. Let's see here. Barbie, uh, which could save cinema if you ask the denizens of gay Twitter. Uh, that is due to release July 21st. Bottoms. Uh, bodies, bodies, bodies. Uh, scene stealer Rachel Sennett and the bear breakout uh, Ayo Edabiri uh, team up for this queer sex comedy about two high school seniors. That's due to come out sometime this year. Cassandro, a uh, gay amateur wrestler, becomes an international star in this biopic about the life of Saul... Armanderas, a.k.a. the flamboyant Cassandra. Uh, let's see here. Challengers, uh, which uh, is directed by Luca Guadagnino uh, of uh, Call Me By Your Name uh, and uh, has some of the uh, stars of West Side Story and God's Own Country. It is a, a reportedly a feature queer romance and coming to theaters August 11th. Dope Queens, an action thriller romance due out later this year. Could be one to get you going there. And um, let's see if I can get this title to, in a way that we can actually say it on the radio. F, Identical Twins. There we go. That works. Uh, is an R-rated musical comedy based off a live show from New York City queer comedy staples Aaron Jackson and John Sharp. And that'll be released sometime late in 2023. I saw the TV Glow, a trans filmmaker by the name of Jan uh, Shorn. Run uh, had a major breakthrough with indie horror. We're all going to the World's Fair. So she's following it up with something else released this year. Knock at the Cabin, uh, which is uh, a twist, if you will, to M. Night Shyamalan uh, and is uh, getting back in the groove there uh, with his next feature about gay fathers. And that's going to be coming out real soon, February 3rd. Love Lies Bleeding is another film that's coming out this year. Nyad is uh, one uh, where Annette Benning plays Diana Nyad, a lesbian athlete who attempted to become the first person ever to swim from Cuba to Florida at the age of 64. I believe we talked about that here on the show at one point. Uh, Rustin, a biopic about... Uh, Good old Mr. Rustin there. And it's going to be a Netflix release this year. Scream 6 kind of continues on with that saga. Strangers looks like a good one. And uh, there's going to be a new release of The Color Purple and other films coming our way in 2023. So I'm going to go ahead, hit play on some music here and make sure that we've got everything set up for Deb Anderson on The Women's Show. She's going to be interviewing four-decade career-long Claudia Schmidt about her new album, Reimaginings, and discussing some of her 40-plus years in music on The Women's Show. So stay tuned for that here on KZUM. 